Welcome to HIPAA Talk. Total HIPAA Compliance, host of this podcast, helps health insurance agents, employers who offer health benefits plans, business associates, and healthcare providers complete the required HIPAA documentation through our HIPAA Prime service. We also provide online HIPAA training. Drew Green, the Director of Information Technology and Security Services for Thomas, Judy, and Tucker, a North Carolina-based CPA and professional services firm, talks with Jason Karn, Chief Compliance Officer for Total HIPAA. Today's podcast covers how Mr. Green developed his expertise in the security space and how he can help businesses protect their network with penetration testing. He outlines what is covered in a penetration test and how spending $10,000 today can save you a million dollars later. Thanks, Jason, for having me on uh, the show. Uh, I appreciate you um, letting me share my knowledge in the security field with you guys, and uh, especially in the HIPAA space, and uh, looking forward to it. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So how did you get into being a, and we're going to get into pen testing here pretty quickly. Um, how did you become a certified ethical hacker? What, what inspired you to do that? What, what's your background on that? So yeah, a little about myself. Uh, my name is Drew Green. Uh, I work in Raleigh, North Carolina at Thomas, Judy & Tucker, PA. My background is uh, IT. I've been a technology geek since I was a child. I started programming at age seven or eight, something like that. I'm almost 30 uh, next year. And so I've been doing this stuff for a long, long time. And, you know, I, I wanted to, quote unquote, be a hacker when I was a child. And, you know, nobody really knew what that meant. Uh, every, everybody told me, no, you want to be a security professional. I said, no, I want to be a hacker because, you know, I would see stuff on TV or, you know, on the internet about people hacking things up and not, um, you know, not nearly as widespread as it is today. You know, you can barely turn on the news today without uh, seeing a new uh, breach somewhere. But uh, I I knew I wanted to do something with hacking, and I've always been really technical, and I've been studying IT since I was, you know, that age that I mentioned, uh, you know, pretty young. And so eventually after school, I got a job working in the IT field, and uh, so started off internal IT and, you know, doing basically a little bit of everything. My, my firm is not a large enterprise, so, you know, being a more of a generalist has its benefits. Uh, learned to work with end users, with workstations, with, you know, traditional user applications, and also managing servers, virtualization, networking equipment, firewalls, uh, basically a little bit of everything. And uh, so the more time I spent uh, working in IT, the interest for security grew and grew, especially because at our firm we're protecting sensitive client information. Uh, security is, you know, one of our uh, biggest concerns when it comes to the IT department. Through studying uh, certifications, independent research, things like that, uh, I really developed my expertise in the security space, and then I learned in about 2010, I believe it was, that the idea of being a professional hacker, but not the type that goes to jail, is actually a thing, and it's called penetration testing. And 
so that really inspired me. I, I will say at the time, I thought this is so cool. I would love to do that, but that's so different than what I'm doing now. It seemed like a far off dream. But then, you know, over the years uh, since then, I started really honing my skill set and learning more about not only how to hack stuff, but how to uh, do it in a way that provides value to businesses and you know, what types of things are really helpful for uh, clients to learn about. At the firm here a few years ago, we saw a real need in the uh, security space, especially for uh, small and medium-sized organizations. Uh, so eventually, after I felt confident in the skill set that I had obtained, uh, I approached the partner group at my organization, and I proposed that we offer uh, some security services, and they have uh, they have been very supportive and thought that this sounded like a great idea to bring more value to our clients. And so for the past few years, we've been uh, working in the information security space, uh, dealing with clients from all different types of industries, and hacking into their systems to show them what needs to be fixed. So as far as the as far as certifications go, because uh, yes, about the certified ethical hacker. So I, I have several certifications related to the security space. The CISSP is probably the most commonly known, and then they have the CEH, the certified ethical hacker, and then also the OSCP, the offensive security certified professional. Uh, and so I have all three of those, along with uh, a ton of other. Uh, IT-related ones as well. And so each one sort of focuses on a different aspect of security, whereas the CISSP focuses on general management-level security. Uh, the CEH deals more from a, uh, you know, theoretical point of view about penetration testing and defensive security. And then the OSCP is a hands-on uh, practical exam that verifies you uh, have certain skills in hacking and penetration testing. So when you're doing an actual, you're doing a hands-on with that, is, do they give you like a, a dummy website or do they, that you have to go in and, and find vulnerabilities on and write up a report as to what's happening with that website and what, what you found? Is that essentially how that yeah. works. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, uh, basically exactly it. They give you a lab with, I believe mm -hmm. there are five different systems that you need to hack into and you, you're given 24 hours access to this, uh, to this lab and you need to hack a certain number of these systems. You get a certain number of points for, uh, different goals that you, uh, reach during the exam and then you have to develop a, uh, report like you would give back to a normal client, mm -hmm. uh, outlining all of the steps taken and the uh, recommended fixes to uh, prevent any of the exploits that you conduct from taking place in the real world. That sounds really interesting. That sounds like that could be a lot of fun, if not a little it bit, <laughs> a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> Twenty four hours to do it, but. I was fortunate enough to finish the exam uh, in a relatively short amount of time compared to what I read others have done, which might have just been uh, luck or maybe uh, maybe I'm a little more uh, knowledgeable than I gave myself credit for at first. But either way, uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm just glad I didn't have to do it for 24 hours straight. <laughs> right. Talking about these penetration tests. So what does a penetration test look like? Because we talk a lot with our clients about this, and this is one of the requirements as part of 
the NIST RMF and also, you know, uh, conversely with HIPAA compliance is making sure that you've done, done not only a penetration test, but vulnerability testing on your, uh, on your software and on your programs is what does a penetration test look like to a client? Sure. So when I uh, describe what I do to prospective clients or friends or anybody that'll listen, uh, I describe it as a a hack of your organization the same way that a criminal would, but with the end result being you get a report telling you about it as opposed to me walking off stealing your money. (laughs) So uh, basically, uh, we use the same tools and the same methodology that, uh, you know, the hackers that are breaking into places like Equifax or uh, Home Depot or any of the other other billions of places that uh, we all know about that have been hacked in recent years. the, the same procedures are conducted by us. We start with a research step where we will uh, look into the business because the, the whole goal is not to scan the system with automated software and say, oh, that's, that's broken or that, that's patched or whatnot. Uh, the whole point is to uh, have a real-world approach. So we go into the assessment with very little information from the client, uh, and then we do our own independent research and determine, okay, these are the physical locations of the client. These are their IP addresses of their servers. These are the types of servers that they have, et cetera. These are some key people within the organization uh, who might be prone to phishing and have some you know, really good stuff for us to get at. Uh, so we want to learn as much about the organization as possible. And then we move on to the point where we are uh, identifying not only the you know, specific applications that, say, a server might be running, such as maybe it's running... Uh, Microsoft Exchange and email server, but uh, the particular version of it and whether there are any known vulnerabilities. And we have uh, specialized software that uh, assists with that. And uh, from that point, uh, we also look at different websites and other things that are right on the internet that might be less uh, less obvious as far as vulnerabilities. So the, the main difference between what we do in a vulnerability assessment is that we are uh, basically stress testing information security controls, not just identifying potential risks based on a database of known issues. Uh, so we will look at the websites they have and whatever servers and whatnot and see is there anything that's known to be vulnerable and then is there anything that looks like it could be vulnerable and essentially we we try to take the path of least resistance if we don't see anything other than say a website well uh, let's approach that and if it's a really basic website that doesn't have any uh, you know potential ins uh, we might resort to phishing at that point Uh, we had we have assessments where clients have very little as far as uh, servers and uh, hosted resources. So instead, uh, you know, they, they have just as much uh, sensitive information as the next guy, but uh, maybe it's just laid out a little differently. So if we can fish or otherwise uh, scam the uh, key people out of credentials or something like that, uh, we might be able to gain access to their sensitive data. So uh, from there, uh, once we gain access to something, uh, we will then attempt to uh, really see what the impact of a breach would be. So if I'm able to gain access, say, to a website, but it doesn't have access to anything else, and the only information on that website is uh, publicly 
known information or maybe a bunch of marketing material and that kind of stuff, that doesn't really make a, a big impact on the organization. If I hack your website and I have root on the uh, web server, aka administrative control, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a big deal and everything else might have been uh, locked down. But at the same time, if I can gain access to your blog and now I have access uh, to your file server within your network, which has your payroll records and other types of things, well, obviously that's going to be really significant. So uh, a big part of the report that we provide to the client is explaining not only what we did and the steps to take to fix it, but why this is important. And a big, a big reason for that is because security is generally not inexpensive. Uh, we personally like to work with open source uh, and relatively inexpensive security products uh, when they fit the use case. But, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll need to make changes to your network, even if it doesn't mean buying a new system. It might mean lots of hours invested in remediating a problem. So inherently, security is expensive. And so by explaining at a relatively high level to the executive team uh, at, you know, in a way that they can understand why they should invest the five or $10,000 we might propose for uh, a certain remediation or set of uh, them. Uh, if we can explain the business impact and value for that, that is really the language that they speak and will help them to uh, appreciate that, yes, this is an investment, but it is a control that is really worthwhile and valuable for the firm. And they can include it in whatever modeling they're doing for, for risk and decide that, you know, it's probably worth it to spend 10 grand now so they don't spend a million dollars later. We hope you enjoyed this installment of HIPAA Talk. If you have any questions you would like to communicate with our experts, you can find us on Twitter at TotalHIPAA or our website, www.totalhipaa.com or email us at info at totalhippa.com.